Welcome, everyone. It is Monday, January 6th, 2020. I've told everyone that it's uh, 2019 all day today. Uh, we've got Brandon and Becky Staple here with us. Staples, Brandon. Can you, it's plural, Peyton. Can you clarify that? Staples. For me? There you go. I've said staple and staples <laughs> three or four times today already. Uh, so we are, I think we are ready to go and we are live. So I brought these guys in today because they have a big giant uh, mortgage company here in town. And I figured what uh, what a great way to break in the new year to understand. He's over there taking pictures of himself. Brandon. <laughs> Peyton, you look really handsome in my pictures. He's an awesome pretty boy, and that's okay. Um, what, a, what a great way to start out the new year to get an idea of what is going on in the market, what's going to happen with interest rates, uh, just bring in some experts to, to know what's going on this year. So if you guys could give us, well, first, I want to talk a little bit about you guys. I love that they're a husband-wife team. I begged my wife to work with me, but she has four kids at home that she has to work with every day, so she won't work with me yet. So uh, I think it's amazing that they're a husband-wife team. Can you guys tell us a little bit about you, uh, how you got started? All the buttons are on. Oh, okay. Sean came in, and he looked at me, and I didn't know I didn't know if I didn't push a button, so... <laughs> I did. Peyton was worried he didn't have everything running smoothly, but he does. He's already a pro at this. Um, he's going to come help me get the Facebook Live going because we didn't have time. We had about 19 seconds between uh, uh, places to get this going. Okay, so uh, Brandon, Becky, give me an idea. Who's been in the business longer so we know who the real expert is? That would be Mama. Okay. <laughs> All right. I started in 2006. Okay, so 2006. Mm-hmm. What got you into uh, doing loans? Um, I, my brother was a builder at the time, like everyone else was, and he knew I was smart with numbers and thought I should try it out. So I did, and I had a knack for it. Okay. I started out processing, and then I became a loan officer in 2012, and the rest is history. I brought my husband over at that time to work with me. and. Okay, and what were you doing, Brandon? I was doing sales. Oh, am I not on? Oh, now I'm on. Oh, okay. she is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now I can hear myself a lot Whoa. better than I could. Okay, so that's way better. So for everyone who is uh, working on a new one of these uh, boards, you guys can't quite see it, but there's a hundred buttons right here. <laughs> and if you don't turn Becky's on, then no one can hear Becky. See, Becky has a booming voice, so I could hear her. But so we're gonna go back and talk about that again, just for a second. So when okay. did you get in? When did you get in? So I started in in the industry in 2006. Okay. I, uh, my brother was a builder. He I, Again, I was only 22 at the time, and he knew I had a knack with numbers, and I, I so I went and got my license and got hired at a company and started working. Awesome. So, and so you did, did you work for your brother for a while? I didn't. I, I worked for a mortgage company, and uh, that was during kind of the boom and the crash. So his company actually went out of business. So I didn't do much business with them afterward, obviously. Okay. But um, yeah, so I started processing loans at the time so I could learn a little bit more about the the entire industry. So it helped me gain a really good background about what the loan goes through. And what, how did you get Brandon to come over? What were you doing at the time? She doesn't ever like this story, but I like it. She basically (laughs) said, Hey, I make more money than you. Um, Will you come work for me? And the rest is history. Will you come market for me instead of the other company you're working for? Okay. Fair enough. So, and how, how long ago was that? That was in twenty, the end of 2012. We'd been married for like nine months 
at the time. So that was a risky deal. Hey, we're newlyweds. Let's work together. We're really going to test our marriage there. Make a jump, not have any salaries, go 100% commission. Okay. Well, so you're still married, right? I think so. Loosely. <laughs> oh my gosh. Not loosely. You guys, you guys have how many kids? Bad. We have two children. Two kids. Awesome. Yes. And how old? Six and seven, seven months. months. Six, Six years baby. and seven months. Yes. Awesome. Okay. So let's get in. Let's talk about the market. What is your, let's take a 30,000 view uh, viewpoint right now. What's going on with the market outside of just St. George nationally? Well, I actually um, had a good lesson learned the other day. So Becky wrote an article for St. George News in which she talked about how it is a great time to buy. And it's funny how the St. George News articles on Facebook, it's mostly haters on there. Mostly like, you don't know, or (laughs) everything's so expensive. And it was just a lot of negativity. But what I didn't do in the article to give was give people um, history, give them some institutional knowledge of where do we stack out up from 2006 versus now? Okay, and that's what I want to hear about. Yeah, so something kind of funny that most people don't realize is in 2006, one of the biggest uh, indicators was all the ninja loans going on. Ninja loans were the ones where if you can have no income, no job or assets, you still got a mortgage. And uh, you know, if you could if you could take a breath, you got a mortgage. Okay. So the average loan amount in 2006 was well over 300,000 in Washington County. Okay. As of today, how many years later? 14 years later, what's the average loan amount uh, in Washington County, Becky? About 230? I think 230 to 260 somewhere in there. We still are not even close back to the loan amounts that we had at the time and even the average prices. Why, why are we so much lower? <clears throat> because the government uh, swung the pendulum. What that means is during the Bill Clinton days, they, they came out with a bunch of laws of like, everybody deserves a home. You, you, you deserve a home. Well, what happened is you got really loose guidelines and that caused some major issues. Okay. Well, 2009, after, the, after the, the price drops, they put in a bunch of rules of you have to be a perfect borrower to get a loan. Well, the pendulum went from super loose to super tight. Now it's back in the middle of like, hey, you you can have issues on your credit. You can have things, but you do need to be able to afford this home. Okay. So we're- And so it's keeping prices in line. It's not, we're not doing loans that are irresponsible or crazy like 2006. Okay. So we're just pulling in Facebook Live here. It took a few minutes to get it up. Uh, We've got Brennan and Becky Staples on here. We're talking about the 30,000 view- uh, view of what's going on in the market. Uh, Brandon just said that the government gave way too loose of restrictions back in 2006. Everybody could get it. In the late 90s, Bill Clinton put in a bunch of oh, rules saying okay. older, older. anybody can get a loan. That was before <clears throat> Brandon was born. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I had a lot more hair. He has a baby face. So, And then they, they tighten them all up and now we're kind of in the middle. So would you say right now this is a good time then? I believe so. Yeah, it's an excellent time. Not not only are guidelines not necessarily loosening, but they're more reasonable that if you're if you have a decent amount of income and credit and all of that, you can get a loan. There's even some some additional stated income types loan type loans coming in, um, as well as rates are historically low. Still, that's that's the math that's the behind biggest it. Thing. A lot of people will say, "Well, prices are high, da 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 da," but they don't. But the math behind it is. is Rates right now are below 4%. We're not allowed to like quote an exact rate without doing a bunch of legal disclosures, but we're able to say roughly rates are at about or lower less than 4%. Okay. And um, during the average 
interest rate from 1971 through current is over 8%. So people might have bought a house for 200000 in the late late 80s or mm-hmm. mid-90s, but they were paying rates double or triple. Or 12%. Yeah, double, yeah. triple, quadruple what we're paying now. So their payments were the same as we're paying on a house that costs twice as much or three times as much. So that's the the, the numerical, the, the logic behind why we think it's a good time to buy still because rates have kept your payments so low. If okay. rates were to jump to 6 or 7%, you would see the prices drop immediately. So are, are the rates going to stay the same? I get asked that by people all the time. <laughs> well, why don't I just wait and the rates are going to go back down to 3% or two? I had some guy say, well, I got it for two, 2.75%. Right. Is that, is that going to happen? That is a guessing game, meaning rates are emotional. Sometimes we'll see bad news. China did this or problems with Iran. And or then a the bomb next, exploded here or wherever. And the next day we'll <laughs> see an, a reflection in interest rates because it all trickles down from emotion and how people buy bonds and where they flee to save things and rates go down to that. So predicting is pretty tough. Okay. But the Fed chair, the guy that helps run rates, said we should probably start getting used to low rates for the next five to ten years. Okay. So if you're predicting lower rates, then you really... Oh, that's for for so many people. They're just, they're saying, well, we're either going to have a crash or we're going to have rates go back up. Do you think if rates go back up, we'll slow way down? Hmm. I definitely think it would put a burden on the market because if your payment on a three hundred thousand dollar house all of a sudden went up five hundred dollars a month because rates went up, that would take a lot of people out of the market. Okay. Until prices adjusted down to to uh, match the increased rates. People are so used to these rates, though. Like, most of the people I'm meeting with are, are don't even realize rates just even 10, 15 years ago were at 6 and 7%. That seems crazy to them. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like a, the mindset of America has we're changed. Spoiled. We're really spoiled. Um, where we expect it to be 3 and 4%, and we're mad if we hear 5%. <laughs> For when, a minute, rates went up a year ago. Yeah, a year ago, and they people, were in the when they high 4s and 5s. Yeah, it was like, oh my gosh, you're gouging me. And we got shopped way harder than we normally do when people say, oh, they're below 4, because it's this mental thing. Right. Okay, yeah. so then do you think that we're going to slow down or have a crash at all then? We don't operate that way. And what I mean by that is my wife and I don't focus on fear. We focus on what we can control. And what we can control is do good work, provide value for people. And we work with agents that say, I'm going to price this house correctly and I'm going to take care of my clients. And we don't really focus on that. And I know that sounds ignorant or as if we're living in a in a bubble, in a bubble <laughs> but I just can't control it so I don't worry about it. Do I think that... The market works in ebbs and flows, and we're due for an ebb? Yes. I think that the market will slow down eventually, and I think that it will not be as bad as 2006 through 2009 in the housing market. The stock market might take a dive. This other thing might take a dive. We might go to a war, but the housing market is not so inflated, so ridiculous like last time. Mm -hmm. I just don't know how it can take such a dive. It's also just not so dependent upon bad mortgages this time. The loans we're doing are solid. Good borrowers that have done everything they can to get a home. Well, and so you talked a little bit about how guidelines are opening up. They're making it a little bit easier for people. Give somebody a listener on here. Give them an idea of where you need to be kind of 
so that you guys can either coach them, say, hey, you need to get your score from here to here or do this. Give me just an idea or give them an idea. Mortgage runs on the rule of twos. They want to see how you've done the last two years in your job. Okay. You've had a job. doesn't mean you have had the same job for the last two years, but you need to have been employed for the last couple of years. They want to look at a couple months' bank statements and a couple of pay stubs and a couple of tax returns. Okay. So the rule of two is what you think of is if I've got a couple of tax returns and it shows I made money, I've had a job for the last two years, I can come up with a couple of bank, uh, bank statements and a couple of pay stubs, and my credit score is over 580 to 620. I have a good likelihood of getting a loan. Did you guys see Becky's face when he said that? Well, no, yeah. 580 to 620 would, five, be the, would be the lowest. The yeah, and I say 580, you're not going to get an excellent credit or interest rate at 580, but it's possible to still get a loan at 580. Okay. Um, ideally, I would shoot for anything above 660. You're going to have reasonable rates, um, 640 to 660 for FHA. And then if you want to go conventional, you need to be a minimum of 620. But um, in the 700s, you're going to get better rates for sure. Okay. And I say and I say that because I, I know Brandon and Becky and Becky's the, the anchor <laughs> on the ground with the balloon and Brandon's up there. with He's the balloon. So, and I'm the same way with my Absolutely. wife. Absolutely. My job is to, to be optimistic, to bring stuff in, and it's her job to make it happen. And it's a good balance. And have you, have you ever – now here's, here's a good question. Have you ever promised anything that she couldn't deliver on? Oh, man. Uh-oh. That happened in the beginning. That happened in the beginning until I'm not allowed to swear until she kicked my butt. <laughs> okay. So in the beginning it was like, you know, you're really hungry and trying to get deals and trying to feed your family. Like, come on in, let's get you a loan. And then I learned, yeah, I can't promise stuff and that my wife can't back up or that causes issues. <laughs> so that was a learning lesson the first couple months. Okay, awesome. And I here's here's a, a question that that I'm always curious when people are in the industry, do you guys invest right now? In the industry, are you currently buying, selling, investing? <clears throat> what do you guys do personally? Last in the last two years, we've sold eight to ten residential investments of ours, and rolled them into bigger investments. Okay, uh, meaning so you- we're still actively buying. We closed a building in November. Um, bought a, cl- took all the money from those rentals, bought a, a million dollar building. Okay. We're still going. St- we're, we're under contract on two currently. I think what happens is is the community looks at lenders as quote all they want to do is just push off loans. But since you guys are in the in the trenches with everyone else, mm-hmm. it's easier to look at you and say, okay, hey, give me a quote on this, or or let me know what what you're actually thinking about this. Okay, so let's break it down pretty easy for somebody who it's their first time buying. They don't know the difference between an FHA, VA. They're they're like, oh my gosh, can I even do anything? Becky, can you give me just a quick breakdown of the difference of an FHA, a VA, those type yeah. of things? <clears throat> yeah, and usually the place I start with people is I most people are focused on what's my down payment? Like how much money do I have to bring to the table? <clears throat> so if they're wanting to stick with a zero down loan, then I then I focus on the few zero down loan options that there are. We've got Utah housing, we've got rural housing, we've got VA if you are a veteran and if you have experience that way. Um, or if they have 3% down, they can do a conventional loan. If they have 3.5% down, they can do an FHA loan. Um, so that's the, the biggest place where I start to, to kind of guide people depending on what their down payment needs are. Uh, the, diff- the main difference between FHA and conventional are a lot of people think FHA is a first-time homebuyer loan only because of the word FHA. It's, mm-hmm. it's actually federal housing is what FH stands for. Um, so 
so with that, FHA is a little more lenient on credit scores. Okay. So if you have a 580 credit score, if you have a 620 credit score, you're going to get a way better interest rate on an FHA loan versus a conventional loan. Okay. If you have excellent credit, you're in the 760 range, you have anywhere from 3 to 5% to put down, then conventional would probably be a better bet for you. But the good news is, is you don't have to know that as the consumer. You can trust professionals. You can come in. You can have the conversation. You make sure you ask a lot of questions. Make sure you have them lay out all the loan programs and, and look at your and, and run a few different options for you. What would my payment be on an FHA loan? What would my payment be on a conventional loan? And then you can make a very decisive answer that way because the numbers tell it all. Okay. And you guys are open to doing that. It doesn't cost to call someone and say, hey, can you help me with this? Correct. No, we feel like the best way to take care of people is just to serve them, give. We don't charge for a consultation. It's like, come in, we'll meet with you, give you advice and uh, put our consultant hat on. Here's what we would do if we were you. And then if they choose to go forward, great. If they don't, we say, we love you whether you buy now or in two years. I don't know. Okay. And are you guys located more than just in Southern Utah? Tell me a little bit about Sun American. Uh, we have grown from a little tiny team of two, my wife and I, and our assistant, to uh, we now have offices open in Richfield. We opened an office in Cedar City today. Congratulations. Today, yes. Um, and uh, opening another one in St. George in March. Wow. Okay. And then in Arizona as well. Okay. So you guys do loans here and in Arizona? Yeah. Okay. Correct. Awesome. Now- uh, to flip it on the, a little bit of the personal side, a couple months ago, I heard, I saw Becky getting an award for being a rock star as a lender. <laughs> Brandon, can you can you emphasize or can you explain that? Because I know she won't if I ask her about this. No. She'd be like, it's like I, I got a I got an award. Let's embarrass her together. <laughs> I want to know I want to know how big of a player she really is. Oh, yeah. For here in San. It's Sandy. all because of my team and because of Brandon. What kind of player? Because you know. A player. We player? did kiss on the first date. <laughs> Players gonna play. <laughs> oh my gosh. But give give us an idea of what what people can do right here in St. George. Uh, so uh, there's a there's a magazine called Scotsman's Guide that lenders use to know what's new in the market, what's this, what's that, what are rankings. Uh, last year in Scotsman's Guide, she was ranked in the top uh, 200 loan officers in the. United States wow. by volume here in little St. George. There's a lot and of business then, in St. George. And then in the top 75 women loan officers in the U.S. Okay. And how many, do you, you have an idea of how many loan officers there are? And there's like 50 states, so there's like 100 loan officers? There's that. There's there's several. <laughs> Probably. There's yeah. like four or 5,000 in Utah alone. So times that by 50 states. Whoa. Okay. So there's a lot of loan officers. Yeah. Tons and tons. Okay. No, that's awesome. Okay. So. On, on a flip side here, back to personal, or I should say keep going more personal, I like to hear uh, my guess of what kind of books you're reading. Why are you reading them? That's the good stuff. That's what I wanted to talk about Yay. today. So <laughs> so we've got we've got about five minutes left, actually about four and a half before we start hearing the music that I got to that I gotta cut out. Tell, give me an idea. <laughs> best book you, you read this last year, 19. Uh, I would say best thing I listened to. Oh, listen. I tend to re- okay. listen to them. And this is one we've listened to so many times I haven't memorized. It's called The Strangest Secrets from Earl Nightingale. <laughs> and uh, it was recorded in the 1950s. And you can, when you listen to it, you can still hear like the record and it says to turn it over. It's not the secret. It's a It's not the secret. No, no. <laughs> Is it- Go on Audible, get The Strangest Secret from Earl Nightingale. It's an old man who talks like this. <laughs> and uh, sounds good. Mm hmm. 
And uh, in that, he talks about in this life, if you were to take 100 people in the United States, the most uh, opportune nation that has ever existed, we live in the most opportune time that's ever been had. Only 5% of people, 5 out of 100, really end up being successful. And he talks about the difference between those who do and don't. And we've just eaten that up. It talks about, it's mostly about attitude, goal setting, and uh, then he shares what is the strangest secret on why those 5% are are uh, so successful. And I think the biggest thing is we live in America where anyone has that opportunity. And that's what's so cool about it is go grab it if you want it. That's awesome. Thank you. Now, Becky, what's yours? My favorite book that's probably kind of stuck with me for a few years is The Miracle Morning. Yes. By Hal Elrod. Peyton, tell us about The Miracle Morning, my friend. It's a favorite, right? No, I want to hear your take because that changed (laughs) my life 18 months ago. Yeah. So I found him back in about 2012 and I haven't been like a 5 a.m. riser since, but I've had my off and ons. But I finally went to his live event in December and I feel like it's just lit me on she fire met Hal ever since. Peyton. You met him? I met Hal Elrod. Signed right? a book. <laughs> so cool. I'm jealous. Right? It was it was a really great conference and it really just made me wanna be want want more. You know? But what's the premise behind it? Share it with someone who has never heard of the Miracle Morning. What is it? Well for Hey. He's trying to take over my radio show here. And he gotta give people some background and, there, Peyton. And he's re- and he's really, really good at it. Well, well, fine. If you're going to say that really quickly, um, I was sitting in a, a real estate conference about 18 months ago, and the guy presenting said, you got to read this book, The Miracle Morning. And I read it, and that day I start. maybe it's more than 18 months ago, uh, because I've been, I wrote in my journal every single day for over 500 days straight, and I messed up, and I missed a day or two, and I was so <laughs> mad at myself. I'm like, no! And now I'm okay because I don't track how many days that I've been doing it. But maybe it's been almost two years Awesome. because I'm, I'm around the 600-day mark. Time to get up. Uh, but around 5.15. Time um, do you get up, Becky? Lately, 5 a.m. Oh, man, I'm sleeping in. I'm slacking. I know, slacking, right? <laughs> but but it, yeah, go ahead. Was, I was just going to say, it's it's the way that you start your morning each and every day, whether you do affirmations, you uh, meditate, you do the same things over and over to really get you pumped up for the day. And we've got two minutes left, but tell me what you do for your morning ritual. Um. So start out with, well, his whole concept is the savers. So I try to do them in order just because I'm a by the book kind of girl. Okay. But I uh, I don't do all of them, admittedly. <laughs> I, I usually do some type of meditation, which is the silence part of savers and affirmations and exercise. And then my reading is in the form of books of, of I listen while, I, while I'm either driving or working out or something like that. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. I it's it's literally it's changed my life. Yeah, it's great. I, right? I wouldn't I wouldn't be getting to do this radio show with super awesome people if it wasn't for you know that book. It, I I attribute a ton of my life and my success to that book. That's awesome. I'm actually uh, I get to go speak to a, a youth group about that book and about affirmations and all that on Tuesday. So I'm super excited about that. Cool. That's so great. you guys have about 45 seconds. Tell me one thing that's going to change someone's life right now. Give. Oh, that is so a good, good one. He is so Dang good. It. That's okay. why I married Here's him. Here's the thing. You give what you get. Go around, look to serve others, and it will come back to you. Not that you're expecting it to come back, but just go look to do good things everywhere you go, and you'll be surprised how happy you are. Have you read The Go-Giver? Mm-mm. Yes, you have. 
Yes. On Audible. If you haven't read it, I have it on our Audible. I Mama has. I, I love how she says that. I think that. he has read it. Because <laughs> that, that's, that's the whole He's premise. He's listened to it, yeah. That's the premise of that book is give with no expectations. Mm-hmm. Expectations. Expectations. Expe- expectations. <laughs> i got to say my words correctly here. But give but truly with nothing. Well, thank you guys so much for being on the show. I really appreciate you. Uh, Mondays at 3.30. We'll be here every single Monday this entire year. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Radio St. George 100.3. Tell, tell them you love them, Peyton. Love you guys. You're all awesome. Keep being amazing. <laughs> Brandon makes me get out of my comfort zone every day. <laughs> thank you, guys. We'll see you later.